Give the Lord a hand of praise today. Amen. God is good. Well, I hope you came expecting because you're going to get some Jesus today. Amen. What a time we had last Sunday night with Carmen. Now, Sunday morning was good, but Sunday night, it just, it just blew the roof off. We had a great time with, with Carmen's ministry. And I, I tell you, and he wrote me and he said, your church changed the direction of my ministry. And that's what he said. So he ministered to us, we ministered to him. He said, I have never encountered a people so loving. I said, what church you go to? I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, it was ours. And I'll tell you what, he broke another record. He has never had as many people sign up to sponsor a child ever as he did at this church. Never. And then he broke one more record. He said, all my product was gone by Sunday night. I've never experienced that. And I think he wants to come back with it. So... I want to talk to you about faith today. The Bible says that we live by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by what faith tells us and not by what things tell us, circumstances tell us. We walk by faith, not by what we see, taste, touch, smell, or hear. We walk by faith and not by the sight of our eyes. Our salvation begins by faith. God carries us through this life by faith. Faithful is he who has called you who also will do it. He that began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the, the God that began your faith is going to perfect your faith. And your faith is going to carry you across the finish line to the day that Jesus comes again and the trumpet blows and you are taken up into glory by faith. We walk and not by sight. We are people of faith and not experience. We are people of faith and not the senses. But now let me ask you, having said that, how many times are we moved by what we see? How many times are we afraid? How many times do we doubt? How many times are we hindered? How many times are we detoured, deterred? How many times... Are we held back? How many times are, are we down based on what we see? I want to talk to you today right out of the most familiar verse on faith in the entire Bible. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. And I'm just calling this today, now faith is. And here's the way you read it. You don't read it, now faith is. You read it this way. Now faith is. Because the Holy Ghost is about to give us a definition. Now faith is. And what we read next is the definition from God of what faith is. So everybody say, now faith is. Now let's read it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Now listen to verse 3, powerful. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Powerful. The things you can see were made by things you can't see. 
Now let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the word of God that is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of soul and, and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and it discerns the motivations of our heart. I pray that you would increase our faith. You know, the disciples asked Jesus to do that one day. Can we just pray it together? Lord, increase my faith. Lord, increase our faith today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, now faith is. Now faith is. <clears throat> now this is the famous Bible verse. It's the defining verse on faith in the New Testament. I want to read you another version because I like this version so much and it just puts it in a way I want you to hear it. It says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. The certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we can't see it up ahead. Now, I like the way the King James puts this verse because it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. There is a yet in there. I wish the New King James had put in there because yet means you don't see it yet. It's on the way. It's just not there yet. It gives us an expectation that what we're praying for, though we don't see it, it's yet we don't see it. We don't see it yet. God is getting it ready. It's just not here yet. And until it arrives, we are walking by faith and not by sight. Now let me unpack this, this verse today. Because it's very powerful. We are all people of faith. How many of you can say, I'm a born-again child of God? You're born again and you know it. Lift your hands high and wave them. You are born again and you know it. All right. We are people of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Our salvation began by faith. We walk through life by faith. And we go home to glory by faith. Now, this passage teaches us some key things. First of all, it tells us, Faith believes what your eyes can't see. Faith believes and is convinced of, totally persuaded of, something you can't sense, something you can't see. It says faith is a substance, which means guarantee. Faith is the guarantee of things you're hoping for. It is the evidence, which means confidence or assurance of things you can't see. Now what this verse is telling us is that just because something is invisible doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's telling us that there are things invisible that are just as real as things that are visible. Faith sees things that are invisible, but they exist. Now let me just make a distinction here. People who claim, for instance, that Martians landed and visited them in their living room and they were talking to them for a while, and then they took off again and went back to Mars, are not just talking about something invisible, but something non-existent. If you think Martians landed in your living room and talked to you for a while and went back, can I see you after church? I've got a place I want you to visit. See, see there are things that people talk about that, that they say are are invisible but real, but myths and fables and fairy tales and stories made up by people 
not only talk about things that are invisible, but they don't exist. Zeus doesn't exist. The Greek gods don't exist. There are all kinds of things that not only are invisible, but they don't exist. But that's not true of the God of the Bible. He is invisible, yet he exists. He exists. Just because something is invisible doesn't mean it's not real. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. There are things that are going to come into your life, into my life, by faith and by prayer that, that, that we will one day hold in our hands. We will one day experience. But right now they're invisible. But just because they're invisible doesn't mean they don't exist. Now, there are a lot of people in our day, especially with this flood of new atheism and these arrogant new atheists, and I say that because that's the way they come over so often. And I love them and I talk to them. And... and but they, they really multiply. We're in a day of what has been called the new atheism. And there's a lot of people who are now saying, oh, there's no God. I don't need God. I've been liberated from believing in God. And they say, you're a fool for believing in a God you can't see. One professing atheist left a Facebook comment to a Christian lady who had thanked God for getting her through a tough day, to which he mockingly replied in Facebook, yeah, go and pray to your magic invisible friend in the sky. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Well, yes, Mr. Atheist, God is invisible to the natural eye, but that doesn't mean he doesn't exist. And my Bible tells me if you say, he doesn't exist because you can't see him. You're a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And it's very interesting there that the word God is from the Hebrew word Elohim. So here's the, what it really means. It means the fool has said in his heart, there is no creator. Because just because you can't see him doesn't mean he doesn't exist. Our atheist friend should know that many things are invisible but they aren't non-existent. The wind is invisible. You have never seen the wind, not once. Have you ever seen the wind? But you have seen what it does. You can feel it, but you can't see it. We can't see the atoms that make up all of matter, yet they certainly do exist. You can't see heat. You can't see cold, but they exist. Just because you can't see God doesn't mean he doesn't exist. There are things that are invisible, but they are not non-existent, and God is one of them. There are endless things that are invisible. In verse 3, get this. We're told that everything we can see, even in this sanctuary, I see you, I see the chairs, I see the lights, I see the screens, I see the walls, I see the building, everything that I can see. When I go out at night and I see the endless stars and planets, the sun and the moon, the beautiful birds, the incredible animals, when I look at the ocean, when I look at everything that exists, everything I can see, the Bible tells me that it was created by things we cannot see, but exist. It says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. By faith, we understand that, but not stupid faith. Not silly faith, not groundless faith, but totally justified faith. By faith, 
we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The invisible God created all visible things by the power of His Word. And by the way, the word frame there, it's so beautiful. The worlds were framed by the Word of God. We understand by faith the worlds were framed by the Word of God. The word frame is not only talking about the creating of the planets in our universe, but it's also talking about how God arranged them in the beautiful order they're in now. He not only flung the stars into space and created the planets, but he caused them to spin. He caused them to rotate around the sun. He caused them to exist in a perfect balance, in a perfect synchrony, in a perfect symphony. God did that. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. We understand by faith that God flung them out there, that he spoke them into existence. We understand by faith that the entire universe came from nothing but the rhema word of God. Verse 3 is telling us that the things we can see were not made out of existing matter. Out of something that was already there. Like a snowman comes from snow. We make a snowman out of snow. The chair you're sitting in was made out of things that already existed. And this verse 3 is telling us that God created everything we can see out of nothing. He did not use material that was already there. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be animals, and there were animals. He said, let there be the fishes of the sea, and all marine life came into being. He said, let there be stars, let there be the sun, let there be the moon. And by the rhema word of God, something came out of nothing, ex nihilo, out of nothing. He made it out of nothing. He spoke and it was. He spoke and it came into being. So a God we cannot see, who lives in a heaven we cannot see, surrounded by angels we cannot see, spoke and something appeared out of nothing. And that's why I can guarantee you we did not come from evolution. Can I tell you the truth about evolution today? Evolution has never and never will accounted for the beginning of things. Because evolution cannot count account for the beginning of things. See, origins can only be explained by a God who spoke something out of nothing. If I had a glass jar here today and there was nothing in it and I put no water in it, no dirt in it, no nothing in it, and I put the top on it, screwed the top tight and put it into a shelf and left it for 100 years and then went after 100 years and took it out of the shelf and opened it, you know what's going to be there? Nothing. Because nothing can only produce nothing. Something never comes out of nothing. That's why you are not fearfully and wonderfully evolved. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you. He fashioned you. You are a design of God. You've got a purpose and a reason to be on this planet. Almighty God allowed you to be here. And the Bible says he fashioned you and formed you in your mother's womb. Evolution didn't bring you here. God brought you here. The rhema word of God brought you here. Ask any evolutionary scientist, where did everything begin? They can't answer it. It can't be answered. 
Only a creative God can bring something out of nothing. And you know, the Bible makes no apologies for calling God invisible. Our atheist friend who made fun of this girl who was giving glory to God for helping her through a tough day. Oh yeah, your magic invisible friend in the sky. Well, the Bible fully admits that God is invisible. Paul said that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We're told in Hebrews that by faith, he, Moses, I love this one. Moses, by faith, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Wait a minute. How did he see a God who's invisible? By the eye of faith. See, you've got two natural eyes, but you've got an eye of faith. You've got faith, and that faith has an eye. And that faith sees things that aren't there but are real. Come on, everybody. He, he, he saw. Now, you say, well, I don't know about that, Jeff. Do you love, how many of you love Jesus? Raise your hand if you love Jesus. You had never seen him. How are you in love with a Savior that you have never seen? You have never seen Jesus. And yet you love him. How did you fall in love with a Savior that you've never seen who isn't even walking around on this planet? And yet John said, having not seen him, you love him. How could that be? Because faith allows us to relate to a God who is invisible, that we've never seen, yet he exists. And you can actually, literally fall slap happy in love with God who you have never seen. Well, I look forward to the day that I see him, but I don't have to see him to know him. But I look forward to the day that I see him face to face, and I will be like him, for I will see him as he is, John said. But you love a Savior you've never seen. And that's the power of faith. Moses left Egypt, not afraid of the king, and walked with the people of God because he saw him who is invisible. Paul told the Colossians, For by him, that is Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth. Listen to this. This is so important. Visible and invisible. Now stop right there. Did you catch that? It's telling us that Jesus, who was active in creation, nothing that was made, there is nothing that was made that didn't flow through the fingertips of Jesus, says John in his gospel in the first chapter. Jesus was active in the creation. So it says, by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and earth, and <clears throat> notice, visible and invisible. Right there, the Bible is telling us that God made some things that we can see, and he made some things we can't see. But the things we can't see are just as real as the things we can see. As a matter of fact, the things we can't see are more endurable and everlasting and eternal than the things we can see. Because everything we can see is temporary. It's what we can't see that is eternal. He says... Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, he made some things that are absolutely invisible, yet they are real. So God, says Paul, created some things that are visible and some that are invisible, yet they exist. To young Timothy, Paul writes, now to the king eternal, immortal, and what, everyone? Invisible. The Bible informs us that we are surrounded right now 
by an invisible spiritual world that we can't see with the naked eye, but it's oh very real. Well, I'll give you an example. When Elisha and his servant Gehazi were surrounded by the Syrian army and the word of God in the Old Testament, you can read about it, his servant Gehazi panicked. And, and he, he said, what are we going to do? We're surrounded by the army. There's only two of us, and there's this huge army, this Syrian army that have come to take us. And Elisha said, don't fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now Gehazi looked around. He said, dude, what are you talking about? I see you and me and me and you. I don't see uh, uh, some vast army greater than the Syrian army that is coming against us. And Elisha, Elisha kind of yawned, and he prayed. He said, Lord, I pray. I love this. Open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. What did he see? Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, there is a spiritual world right now that is in touch with this world, and we can't see it unless God opens our eyes. But it's there. It's there. Just because Gehazi could not see them didn't mean the invisible angels of God weren't all around them. And they were quickly delivered from the Syrian army by the power of God and the forces that God unleashed on their behalf. Folks, if we could see right now, if God would, would, would just for a moment open our eyes, like, like Elisha prayed, Lord, open their eyes. We would see angels. We would see cherubim. We would see seraphim. We would see demons. We would see an incredible conflict in the spiritual world taking place with great intensity right now. It's there. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. Now I'm reading all these verses to show that walking by faith is not the practice of simple, gullible, backwoods, non-intellectual hayseeds who don't know any better, as they like to say about us. The Bible faith is all about believing a God who you cannot see. To, by faith, bring into your world things you can't see, but that are coming your way and that exist in Jesus Christ. And until what is over there arrives over here, our faith is the guarantee, the guarantee that it's on the way. Has God given you faith for something? That faith is the guarantee. It is as good as the thing that you're waiting for being there. It's the guarantee. If you've got faith, it's the guarantee. How many of you believe you're going to heaven one day? Where, where did you get that belief? You got it by the faith that God gave you, and that faith is as good. It's the guarantee that one day you're going to be there. It is the guarantee. For instance, faith told Abraham that he would hold his own son but for 25 years, he held nothing but God's promise. And yet he had the faith. And his faith was as good as Isaac, his son, to be being there. Faith told David he would one day sit as king over Israel. And for 10 years, he sat huddled in caves and open fields, stalked by a madman. But his faith said, I'm going to be the king over Israel. I see it, though it's not here yet. Faith told Elijah it was going to rain. Those six times, his servant reported nothing but blue skies. But catch this. Elijah knew that it was going to rain. There had been a three-and-a-half-year drought. God told him to pray for the rain to come. 
And he began to pray. His faith said it's going to rain. He said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. But all there was was blue skies. But the blue skies did not affect his faith. He said, I don't care if the skies are blue. I don't care if I don't see any evidence of rain at all. My faith tells me it's going to rain. Six times he sent the servant back to look. Six times the servant came back with a negative report. I see blue skies, only blue skies. There's only blue skies, boss. I'm sorry, only blue skies. The seventh time he came back and said, well, I got a little bit of good news. There's a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, you better tell Ahab to get ready, hop in his chariot, and get home quick because it's about to pour. And suddenly the skies were dark with clouds, and it began to pour a gully washer, as we would say, in East Texas. And what he had seen by faith suddenly became reality, but he had to walk by faith before he saw it by sight. Come on, everybody. So Bible faith brings a confident assurance that something we want or need is going to be provided by a prayer-answering God. And, and faith is what we walk by until what is there comes here. And I know that an invisible God that I cannot see but is very real is a God who hears prayer and answers prayer. The Bible says in John, if we know that he hears us, then we know we have what we have requested from him. It's the certainty that what we hope for is coming even though we can't see it yet. Oh, there's things I'm believing for right now. And I only see blue skies, but that doesn't affect me at all. Because faith is not moved by what it doesn't see, by what you can't see with your natural eye. Faith is not moved by what you can't see. Faith is moved by the promises of God. Faith is not moved by circumstances. Faith is not moved by sight. Faith is moved by the promises of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain coming over this church. I'm going to go ahead and say it today. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I believe that God is going to pour out a blessing exceeding abundantly above all we can ask for or even think of. I believe that God is going to bless if we seek Him, if we pray, if we walk in obedience. I believe that I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I don't care about blue skies. I care about the promise of God. What about you? Come on. Now you say, well, Jeff, if I can't see it, then where is it? If I can't see the answer, but you say it exists, then where is it? I can answer that easily. It's in Jesus. The answer to every prayer you've got is in Jesus. Listen to the word of God. Jesus says yes to all of God's many promises. It is through Jesus that we say, let it be so. Let's just try that. Can we say it together? Let it be so. Whether or not you see it, you still say, let it be so. Whether or not the skies are only blue, you still say, let it be so. When we give thanks to God, another version puts it this way. He, Jesus, carries out and fulfills all of God's promises. No matter how many of them there are, and we have told everybody how faithful he is, 
giving glory to his name. Now listen to this verse. It starts out with two words. I want us to say it together. In him. Can we say it? In him. Oh, what is in him? Listen to what's in him. Lie hidden all the mighty untapped treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him is the answer to your prayer. In him is the answer to your future. In him is the answer to your destiny. In him is the yes and the amen over every promise of God. It's in him. So those things you need and are believing God for based on the promises of his word, though invisible to your eye, they exist in heaven in the person of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'll give you an example. You look at your bank account and you see blue skies. You look at your bank account and you see what is not there and what you wish were there. You can't imagine where that money is gone. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Come on, everybody. Just because it doesn't exist, let's say the word yet, it's still found in Jesus. The provision you need is in Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and provides. So just because it's not there doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Or you look at the loneliness of your life and you see only emptiness. But the provision you need is in Jesus Christ. Or you wonder, you wonder, some of you, if anything, can ever bring peace to your troubled soul. You don't see a visible answer, but the peace you need is found in Jesus Christ. It's all in him. It's packed away in him. It's hidden away in him. All the blessings of God are in Jesus Christ. I'll give you an example. When you're hungry and you get a pizza craving, you ever had a pizza craving? You're sitting there, all of a sudden you say, well, I would love to have a pizza. I would love to have a thick crust pizza with pepperoni, with Canadian bacon, with beef and onions. I'm, I'm, I'm making you, some of you think of where you're going as soon as church is over. <laughs> Boy, I would love to have a pizza. And you get a pizza craving. You get a pizza craving. But just because it's not on your table doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Amen. I'm going to say that again. Just because it's on, not on your table doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You've got to get up and call Domino's and put it in an order. It doesn't do you any good to say, well, I'd sure like some pizza, wouldn't you, honey? Yeah, I sure would like some pizza. I sure would. Boy, that pizza would be great, wouldn't it? It sure would be great. Boy, this is the kind I'd like. Yeah, that's the kind I would like. Boy, I love pizza. I love pizza too. Listen, finally, somebody is going to have to get up and put in an order. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Somebody's got to get up and pick up the phone and call D-O-M-I-N-O-E-S. And when they answer, you know exactly what you want. You say, I would like a thick crust with those onions and anchovies and pepperoni and Canadian bacon, and, and, I, and I would like a large pizza. I'm really thinking big, and I'm dreaming big, and we're going to put that thing away. That's what I want. I know exactly what I want, and I'm telling the Domino's man exactly what I want. Now listen with me. You don't see the Domino's man. Do you? You're just talking to somebody on the phone. You don't see the Domino's man. You don't see the oven that he's going to put your pizza in. You don't see the ingredients for your pizza 
or the car he's going to drive to get your pizza to you. You don't care because you believe he's there because of the promise of Domino's. You order a pizza from us and we will get it to you in 20 minutes. And because Domino's said it, you believe it. Come on, everybody. And when you hang up, you don't have a doubt problem. You don't have a doubt issue. You don't say to your spouse, boy, I hope they make it. Boy, I'm kind of doubting whether or not they're going to make it. Do you really think dominoes can get here? I'm not so sure they can get here. What if their car breaks down? What if they don't make it? What if they're not true to their word? You don't think about any of those things. No, you start setting your table. You get your money ready to pay the delivery man. You're already picturing what that pizza is going to look like, and you're already salivating, waiting for it. You prepare for the answer to your request because Domino's gave their word. I'm coming. You know where I'm going with this. This is simple, but this is an illustration. Within 20 minutes, what you couldn't see when you first requested it comes knocking on your door. Now, when you open the door, you don't fall on your knees and say, oh my gosh, they made it. You don't say to your spouse, can you believe Domino's made it? I thought for sure they weren't going to come through. Because if you start talking that way, the Domino's man is going to be doing this. He's going to be backing up. He's going to be heading back to his car because something's wrong with you that you doubted that Domino's would get there. But listen to me, everybody. If you can trust Domino's, I said, if you can trust Domino's, managed by sinful, flawed people just like you, how can you not trust the God of the universe to get to you what he promised, though for a season you don't see it? Come on, everybody. I know today I'm going to get a pizza. I've talked about it now, two services, and i got a third one to go. I know I'm going to get a pizza because I've made myself want one. <laughs> Jesus told Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen me, therefore you believe. But happy are those who have not seen and yet believe. I want us to stand together, can we? And I want us to read this verse together. Let's read it together. Are you ready? Faith is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. The certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we can't see it up ahead. Yeah. How many times has it worked? It's worked over and over and over again. How many times has God come through? Over and over and over again, as we sang today. He did it before, He'll do it again. Say with me, let's sum it up. Faith believes what I can't see. Because it's not visible doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Faith is the assurance that what I'm hoping for 
is coming. Amen. Let's lift our hands to the Lord, can we? Can we just bless and praise and worship our great prayer answering God? Father, we come into your presence thanking you that though you are invisible to our natural eye, you are so real to our heart, to our soul, to our spirit, to our life. Thank you, Lord, that though you're invisible, you surely exist. And we bless your name right now for helping us to love a Savior we haven't seen. And we thank you that one day we will surely see him. I want to pray for you today if you're struggling between the promise and the provision, the prayer and the arrival of what you've prayed for. You're walking by faith and your faith is being tested because the timing has been different than you thought it would be. So many times it's a timing issue and not a provision issue. It's a timing. His time isn't our time. His time has almost never been my time. I want to pray for you. Say, Pastor Jeff, that's me. I'm struggling. Raise your hand. Raise it high. Let me pray for you now. Keep them up. Let's just put them up towards God. Now, Heavenly Father, you said if we know you've heard us, then we can know we have what we have requested of you. The Lord, timing often makes us doubt. So, Lord, I pray for these whose hands are raised. Lord, if they have missed you by praying something that is not the will of God, show them and get them on track to pray for what is your will. But if it is your will, then, Lord, strengthen our faith today. And help us to walk by faith seeing what is not yet visible. In Jesus' name. Now I want you to roll that onto him. Can you just roll that onto the Lord right now? Say, Lord, I give to you this that I've been believing for. I give it to you. And I trust the timing of God. Now I want to pray for people who may not know the Lord. I've prayed for you this week. If you've got a question mark about your salvation, you need to settle it. And I don't ever want to have a service that I don't give people an opportunity to get saved. Because there's almost always somebody who needs to be saved. I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you. I was saved in jail as a 16-year-old troubled boy. And he changed my life. He changed your life. I want you to turn to the God that you cannot see, but who is there. And we're going to pray to him right now. Go ahead and pray it. You say, well, I don't know about if i got faith. You've got the faith. You've got the faith. He has given to every man the measure of faith. You've got the faith you need to get saved right now. So pray this with me. Say, Jesus. Go ahead and do it. Jesus. He's listening. Say, Jesus. 
forgive me for my sin. Only you can wash my sin away. I place my faith in you to save my soul. Now say with me, I believe in my heart God raised you from the dead. And I confess with my mouth that you are the Lord. Jesus, fill me with your spirit right now. In your name I pray. Now with every head bowed, and you can say, Jeff, I prayed that with you. Would you do something? Would you just slip your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. Just slip your hand up if you prayed that with me. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Several people. Here's what I want to ask you to do. It's real important that as soon as I dismiss, which I'm going to do in about two minutes or less, it's real important that you come down say, Jeff, I prayed with you. Would you do that? Jeff, I prayed with you because I want to give you something you really need to take home with you, something I wrote for you, and I want to give it to you. So if you prayed that prayer with me, I know it's kind of hard to get up here, especially if you're way back in the back with everybody going the other way, but do it. It'll be worth your while. And say, I prayed with you, Jeff. And I rejoice with you today. Amen? Amen. Now tonight is... Uh, life groups. And I want all of our life leaders to raise your hand, all the life leaders that happen to be in here right now. Look around you. They're everywhere. Life leaders. Now, these are home group leaders who are leading a great meeting tonight in homes all over the Metroplex. And uh, I want to encourage you to go. Now, church, let me tell you quickly something. I've noticed something. There's a whole lot of people who want to come to a church but they want to be on the periphery. They sort of want to be kind of in, kind of out, kind of there, kind of not. They don't, can I say the dastardly word? They don't want to commit. Now, I think sometimes it's because we've been hurt in a local church. And we say, man, I'm never getting hurt in a local church again. I'll go and I'll get fed, but I'm boogieing as soon as he says amen. Well, can I encourage you to dare to step out in faith and let God heal what happened to you in a local church and go to a home group meeting and meet some people so that you can cease becoming an anonymous face in a crowd and can make some friends promise we won't bite I promise we won't bite okay amen pastor Jeff I understand that I agree with that all right so Life groups, let's pray over them tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over the life groups. Touch them, minister in them in Jesus' name, and help our congregation to become a family. Amen. Now, if you don't know what life group to go to, all you got to do is go out into the foyer, go to the connection point on this side, on my right, and give them your zip code, and they'll give you the life group closest to you. Go try it. I mean, all you can do is have a bad experience and never go back. But you won't. I promise you won't. Okay? All right. How many of you are glad you came to church today? Amen.